You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Janet Wright, Senior Vice President for Science and Quality for the American College of Cardiology. Cardiac disease was once thought to be both progressive and irreversible. As stem cell therapies emerge across many fields of medicine, cardiac disorders may be among the first to benefit from this translation of basic science to very valuable clinical application. What do the latest findings tell us about the promise of stem cells to treat, reverse, or even prevent cardiac disease? Our guest today is Dr. Joshua Hare. Dr. Hare is a Lewis Limburg Professor of Medicine and Director of the Interdisciplinary Stem Cell Institute at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Hare. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Our topic today is uh, stem cells and the heart, and we could spend hours on the topic, uh, probably days to months. We could talk about the political aspects, the ethical ones, but today let's focus on the science. Give me the latest. Give our audience the latest uh, update on stem cells in the heart. I think there have been two very important trends in the scientific work in the field that have gone hand-in-hand and in parallel. First, at the basic science level, we're starting to understand more and more about the mechanisms of action. But I think what's really exciting for medicine and for patients is that the clinical development of this as a therapeutic strategy is also progressing very nicely. And I think we will see stem cell therapies entering the clinic much sooner than we might have imagined. That's an extraordinarily exciting prospect. So much is still unknown about stem cells, but in cardiology in particular, as I mentioned in the intro, we may be the first to see benefits. Where do you think that first benefit will come? I think you're exactly right. And when I started in the field, I got so excited because of of the unmet need in cardiology and also the sheer number of patients who could potentially benefit. I think the first group of patients that are going to benefit are those with ischemic cardiomyopathy or patients who've had a previous heart attack. There's sort of two general strategies that are going on right now in the clinical development. One is to treat patients at the time of an acute myocardial infarction in an attempt to prevent the development of cardiomyopathy or heart failure. But the other trend, and that, the one that we've been very much involved in, is to actually try to reverse cardiomyopathy in patients who've had a remote heart attack. And I think if you just think about that on first principles, that's really very, very exciting. That'd be the first time we actually even think or contemplate about taking a heart that's been remodeled and changed its shape that's led a patient to have problems and to try to reverse that with a, with a therapy. Well, and all of our imaging and our experience has led us to think that this tissue is dead, that there is no irreversibility to cardiac damage. Exactly, and we call it remodeling, right? You know, you have an infarct and the heart undergoes remodeling. And, you know, we've, we've talked about reverse remodeling, but now I think reverse remodeling really becomes a reality because our perspective on the things that, stem cells can do has been broadened in the basic science arena. So we started out just looking for a cell that could replace a missing cell, but in the course of doing the work, we now discover that some of the cell types that we're doing not only have some potential to replace missing cells, 
but they also have anti-fibrotic and anti-inflammatory properties. So you put all of that together in one treatment, and then you can really start to see how a reverse remodeling strategy could be a reality. Because the cell is not only helping to grow new tissue, it's also removing fibrotic tissue that's been laid down. It is truly has anti-fibrotic properties. This is so exciting. So we've moved from the concept of, I mean, really, a layperson would think we're going to use, we are going to use stem cells to grow a new heart. Beyond that, to, as you said, replace cell for cell, now we're learning that some of these cells actually repair the damage and grow new blood vessels? That's right. What I would say is from my perspective as a basic scientist and a translational researcher, this is not without controversy what I'm about to say. Some people would dispute this, but what I would say is that the strategies that we have in place now, primarily with adult stem cells, so not even going into the arena of embryonic, but the adult stem cells that are in use, that are in clinical trials, I think are working better than we ever imagined that they could. <laughs> now, some basic scientists may say that's just wrong because, because what, we're lo- we, what we're looking for and what we haven't found is the cell that is perfectly capable of growing large numbers of new heart muscle cells. And until we find that, we haven't succeeded. I would counter that argument by saying what we have already found that appear and have already started to establish safety in are adult stem cell types that have some limited capacity for differentiation, meaning they have limited capacity to form new muscle cells, but they have very robust capacity to grow the new blood vessels that we need for the new tissue, and they have powerful anti-fibrotic and anti-inflammatory effects. So that what you sort of traded in for a cell that maybe wasn't the best at turning into new cardiac myocytes or may not be the best in the, in the ultimate end of the way this field evolves. But it's established that there are other things that we need cell-based therapy to do, like, like antifibrosis. You need, you need that antifibrotic effect and you need that angiogenic effect for the therapy to really do what, what we want it to do. This is truly fascinating and a game changer for patients with cardiac disease. Certainly the potential for that. You mentioned the use of stem cells in the acute myocardial infarction setting. Tell our audience what's new and promising about that. Really, the one thing that hasn't been said yet in this discussion is that the bone marrow has been on the forefront of being a source of adult stem cells. There have been studies that have used whole bone marrow And there have been other studies that have used bone marrow-derived mesenchymal stem cells. And the first foray, really, in the cardiac field was to use either whole bone marrow or mesenchymal stem cells to treat patients with acute myocardial infarction. There's been some very famous studies that have been published now over about three three years ago. The, The Repair AMI study was probably the most influential study in the field. This was a study done in Germany led by Andreas Zeyer in which bone marrow was infused into the coronary artery of patients who had just had a heart attack. And patients did very well with that. Their ejection fraction went up. And the follow-up results from Repair AMI have shown that there are actually clinical benefits. There's less, less development of heart failure in patients 
who were treated with bone marrow after a heart attack. So that's very exciting because that's starting to now show that the treatment at the time of heart attack can have long-lasting effects. Our group did a study under the partnership of Osiris Therapeutics with bone marrow-derived mesenchymal stem cells. And those, unlike using whole bone marrow, we actually expanded the mesenchymal stem cells from bone marrow. We used those cells in a study of 53 patients with acute myocardial infarction. And that study was primarily aimed at showing safety, and that study was successful. It showed that the treatment was safe, and it also showed that there were some provisional signs of efficacy. So that study has now led to the initiation of a phase two study, which will be a multi-center study throughout the United States, also sponsored by OSIRIS, and that study's already started to enroll. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Janet Wright, and our guest today is Dr. Joshua Hare, the Lewis Lindbergh Professor of Medicine and Director of the Interdisciplinary Stem Cell Institute at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. We're discussing the latest in stem cell research. What advice do you have for practitioners now as they encounter patients with cardiac disease, either chronic coronary ischemia or heart failure, what can they tell their patients about the status of this research and the likelihood that they'll see benefit in the short term? That's a really great question, and I think it's so important to think in those terms because this is a treatment that resonates with patients. Patients understand that they have unmet needs and they're attracted to the idea of being treated with cell-based therapy because a lot of times it's their own cells. And so that's very appealing to patients. There are, of course, cells and therapies in which we use cells from other donors called allogeneic therapy. But patients want this therapy and it resonates with them. I think there are real analogies where we are right now with the early days of angioplasty, in sort of the late 70s, early 80s. So in those days, bypass surgery was available, medicines were available, but angioplasty really was something that resonated and it was very clear to patients and to doctors that, you know, although that there were problems in the early days of angioplasty, there was a high restenosis rate, it still was something that took on a life of its own and it was a therapy that obviously developed and now percutaneous coronary intervention is a, is a mainstay of cardiology. I think the stem cell field is, is quite similar to that, and I think that there are a large number of clinical trials being conducted around the world. There are now pivotal trials being done. The NIH is sponsoring trials. Patients are seeking this therapy. Patients who have the means to do so are leaving the United States to go to places where they can get the treatment as a fee-for-service. So we have to be very careful and very responsible in the United States uh, and what we have to do is we have to move through the clinical trial processes quickly and effectively and responsibly. So I highly endorse the support that the NIH is providing for the trials. The NHLBI has sponsored something called a CCTRN or a clinical trial network that does stem cell trials. This is a very, very important initiative of the NIH to allow responsible clinical trials to be conducted in the United States. 
If we do that, I think we will get through the early trials quickly, and I think we will see approval for these therapies soon on the, on the, hori- the next horizon. So the best thing a practitioner can do is refer patients to perhaps be in a trial or, or a registry if we get to the stage where registries are being developed of cell-treated patients. I'm so glad you brought this up because with the hope of stem cell treatment has also come a lot of hype. And some of that has occurred outside the United States, although we certainly have internal sources as well. And that kind of guidance, I think, can protect people from embarking upon treatments that are not yet proven or are not conducted with the stringent parameters of a clinical trial. Yes, it's a concern. It's a concern. There are lots of opportunities for people to go out of the United States and and get treated. And there's some places that they can go that are reputable, and there are also some places that they can go where it's not entirely sure what they're going to be treated with. And then there's also the issue of follow-up. One of the things that's so important, I think, about a clinical trial or a registry is that we can really learn from that and patients can be- patients benefit by being in trials because of the careful follow-up they get and the knowledge base that we'll develop from trials and registries in the United States will be invaluable to us as we go forward. You know, I just want to make a comment out there because, you know, I know that there's a camp out there who's saying, wait a minute, you're proceeding too fast. We don't know enough about the types of cells we're using and we should wait because we could do some harm. I don't think we can wait. The horse is out of the barn because of this issue of people leaving the United States to go and get a treatment somewhere else as a fee-for-service. We have to do the trials and we have to do them responsibly. And the responsible thing is to first and foremost establish safety. And I think those of us who are doing clinical trials are doing just that. We're doing phase one safety studies first. Now, as far as the argument is concerned, well, maybe you're not using the best cell. Well, that's fine. You know, just like in the angioplasty field, how angioplasties led to stents, it'll be great if new and better and improved cells and cells that we understand the biology of better come down the bike. That'll be terrific. What what will have happened here is that we will have forged the pathway forward with the early trials. We've been talking with Dr. Joshua Hare about potential cardiac applications of stem cell therapy. Dr. Hare, thank you for being our guest today. It's been a great pleasure. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.